0: This episode is from a series of classes where Shakti Durga is reading from her book, Spiritual Mastery. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. Today we're looking at the hallmark of self-mastery, which is called loving the unlovable. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Loving the unlovable. In life, wouldn't it be easy if everybody was nice all the time, if nobody was annoying, if everybody agreed with you, and if you got to rule the world make all the decisions, it just would be so easy, wouldn't it? But we all know that that is not how things are and that again and again, people will behave in ways that we never saw coming. will have unexpected situations and circumstances, unexpected relationship hiccups and all kinds of surprises, usually in everyone's life. There'll be things that we like and things that we don't like. And that's natural. When we're receiving our basic education in how to be a nice person, how to deal with feelings, what's good and what's bad, generally speaking, we're given very strong cultural conditioning that these things here are good and these things here are bad. Again, this is a good thing. But when we're coming into self-mastery, it's about trying to understand how it is that different ways of being might have their advantages, different qualities and characteristics may need us to deal with them in ways we've never so far learned how to. For instance, um, I know that a lot of people struggle with the energy of anger And anger was something that I definitely had in my this-is-not-a-good-thing pile as I was growing up. It was certainly always impressed upon me not to be angry, don't display anger. And so then, naturally, I didn't. But what if, if we're all connected to the Tao and the Tao's the great river of everything in life, then Anger being on earth is something that's been created by the Tao. And so what am I supposed to do? Hate anger or disown anger or not like anyone who displays angry qualities. But then what do I do when people who I like, suddenly they're angry? Or what do I do if I have situations in my life where I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are angry and I don't feel like I'm angry, but there's just angry people left, right and centre. What am I going to do? That's where this piece of information that I'm about to share with you could be of great benefit to you. Learning to love the unlovable. And there are some tools that we'll be looking at within this uh, topic. The main one being that we can learn to see what it is that comes up in life that we might have disowned, that we're not prepared to accept has any place inside of us. The problem as we're coming into self-mastery of thinking that's not inside me, it's only out there, it's not in me, is that if it's not in me, there's absolutely nothing I can do to make a difference in this situation. I am powerless. I become a victim of everybody around me who's like that. I'm using the example of anger. So I just become more and more upset. I become, um, eventually I'm probably going to become angry myself and not know how to deal with it. So back in the day when I was in my early 30s, I had an experience, as I've just explained to you, of being surrounded by a lot of angry people. At the time, I was practicing law. And whilst I was usually a pretty good negotiator and pretty good at um, keeping all parties on side and happy in my work, at that particular time, I had judges that weren't happy with me. I had clients who were getting angry. I had solicitors getting angry People at home were angry. My parents were even angry with me. It was like everywhere I looked there was just all this anger and I thought, this is so weird. I don't particularly feel angry. What's going on? And so I went and saw my spiritual teacher and said to her, this is what's happening. And she said, have you ever thought that this could have anything to do with you? And I thought, no. No. Uh, they're angry I want to know how to deal with it she said well what if we come from the situation that all of these angry people are attracted into your life because you don't have a comfortable relationship with anger you've disowned it you've squished it you've um, made other people carry that energy in your life you haven't made any space to see what could be useful about that energy and I really didn't like this piece of advice. This woman had been my spiritual teacher for several years. She'd always given me good advice in the past, things that I'd been able to understand and run with. And she said, I know that this is a bit of a stretch, but what I want you to do is play with the idea that anger wants you to accept it. And in fact, phase two is anger wants you to appreciate it. And eventually, you will start to love it and be able to love people who are exhibiting that quality and you'll have a lot more resources in you for dealing with people who are exhibiting these qualities and with the quality itself. It will no longer be something that chases you, haunts you or uh, upsets your equilibrium. Anyway, I thought, oh. She has been a reliable teacher up till now. Maybe I should have a play with this. So firstly, how am I going to accept anger? How am I going to find something that I like or can appreciate about anger? And she'd also said to me, see where it is in you too. And I just couldn't. I couldn't see where I was harbouring this great big mountain of anger that she was, you know, suggesting I had some of inside of me. Anyway as we went on for some time, took me a while, a couple of weeks, before I could think of something that might be useful about anger. And I came to see that sometimes anger can be a very motivating force if something's going wrong, something's happening that I don't approve of or that I think is uh, the wrong approach. I can feel angry about that and the anger is there To actually tell me that something needs to be done, something is wrong here. And then I thought, oh, so anger is a messenger. And she had told me that all emotions are actually messengers, but sometimes we don't listen to them. Anyway, so I thought, hmm, anger could be the fire in the belly that gets us to take on a cause or. Have a conversation or shift how our boundaries are sitting in some interaction. It was around about that time, and as I said, I was still practicing law at the time, that I was asked to represent a young man who'd been charged with murder. And he had been remanded in a maximum security jail as a violent offender, even though he hadn't been tried yet. And so bail had been refused in order to see my client and take instructions in order to represent him in court I had to go to the prison and prisons are not pleasant places I arrived at the building they sign you in and then you go through one set of doors that are big steel doors and then they clang shut behind you and you're in this little holding space and then another door opens and you go through that and it clangs shut behind you and there's several more of these doors and tiny spaces and nothing's opened ahead of you until it's locked behind you um, for obvious reasons. And finally, I was in the area of the uh, conference area for legal conferences to take place. And um, and so in came this young man, let's call him Simon. And Simon was quite a nice looking young man, he didn't look rough, he was not roughly spoken. In fact he turned out to be a charming young man. Um, He introduced himself, he shook my hand and then he came and carefully pushed my chair in so I could sit down comfortably and then he sat down opposite me and he just looked really sad and I couldn't really reconcile the police report of this violent stabbing in a hotel with this rather charming, sweet-looking, I would even go so far as to say innocent-looking young man who was sitting opposite me. And I said to him, so so what, what's the story here? And he said, I just don't know what happens to me when I drink. And I went, oh, okay, so he had... He had a problem with alcohol and when he drank he became extremely violent and that violence had led on this occasion, as it turned out through the trial by jury, um, that he in fact had uh, killed this person. He couldn't even remember uh, whether he had or he hadn't. He'd been so intoxicated. Anyway, uh, justice was done and young Simon ended up in jail for several years for this crime. And it was just one of those occasions where you just stop in your life and you think, hmm, life is far more complex than the black and white movie projection of these are good people, these are the good guys, and these are the bad guys. People are actually much more complex than that. You will find that anyone that you meet is a miasma of all different qualities and characteristics and that every single person holds all the qualities and characteristics within them but in a different way and then with my growing spirituality another part of the puzzle came to me which was when I started reading these books that were saying you know what we're all part of the oneness we're part of the Tao the Tao runs through us and the Tao is all of the yin all of the yang it's everything we are one with that everything so I was trying to make sense of How does all this come together in a practical way that can help me in my life? And then I started to realise, oh, so we really are everything. Whether we like the thing or we don't like the thing, somewhere inside of us, it's going to be there. And so from then on, when I started to be Surrounded by people who seem to have a similar thing that they're exhibiting towards me, and that I got upset about it. I started to realize, hmm, the universe is trying to show me something because I was reactive and pulling back from the people who were treating me in a certain way. And I was thinking, I'm not being in union with those people. I'm I'm really wanting to distance myself. Let's have a look at how this works in a practical way as a person who's interested in self-mastery. Anyway, let's get back to the story I was telling before about me surrounded by all those angry people. I decided to follow my teacher's advice and having found something useful about anger, as in it could be the fire in the belly that motivates us, I then went on a hunt for where I was angry and of course, as soon as I started looking, I was able to find it. I was able to find those times and places where I was extremely angry, but I didn't ever express it because I was a good girl. I'd been raised to be a good girl, so I didn't say any of that stuff. I'd just breathe and then assume that I'm not angry. when of course I was. And because I couldn't own my own anger, through the law of attraction, I was creating around me a whole swathe of people who were angry. The journey with accepting something like anger is not going to be instant. It's going to be a journey. And for me, that journey continued as I went back to my teacher again and told her about this progress I'd made, about how I'd discovered that, okay, so I found that maybe anger could be the fire in the belly that gets us motivated when we need to shift something. And also I'd found a couple of places in my life where I was actually quite angry, but I wasn't expressing it. And I said to her, "Sometimes, you know, I feel actually quite sad um, when I'm in those situations." And she said, "You know what? Sometimes women will be angry, but the it, that they're so conditioned that it's not okay to be angry that they express sadness. Whereas for men, it can be the opposite that they can be feeling quite sad, but for men, they're often conditioned that it's not okay. It's not manly to be sad." So they express every feeling as anger because that's the only one that they've learned how to express and it doesn't do them any good. It doesn't make them or the people around them happy but they they just have this one station they get stuck on. So I realised that I'd been converting some of my anger into sad and that neither of those things was going to help me. She said, here you are, and she handed me a tennis racket. I said, what am I supposed to do with a tennis racket? She said, see that mattress over there? You're going to hit that mattress and I'm going to stand here with you until you can really feel what you're angry about and you're going to get the anger out of your body. And I thought, she's really done it this time. This woman is crazy. (sighs) But anyway, there I was and there was the racket and there, there she was and I thought, oh, well, whatever. I might as well give it a go. So I went over. And I started sort of whacking the tennis racket on the bed. She said, no, 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 like you mean it. And I started to really start whacking the bed. And she said, think of those people who are making you angry and think of what they've done. Oh, and then I found myself getting into it. And I was whacking the bed and I ended up, Time just went by, I was whacking the bed, I had blisters all over my hands from the, the uh, that was coming out, all the anger just came out, I was bawling my eyes out. It was very cathartic. I've got to tell you, it's not something you'd want to do too often, but in my case, it was the liberation that I needed to actually get in touch with the fire in the belly, to get in touch with this part of me that I'd suppressed and denied for a very long time. And it was a huge relief just to get all that out. I hadn't realized until I got it out how profound it was to get it out. And guess what happened? The angry people in my life all suddenly started to be much happier. The previous anger at work, at home, everywhere, just wasn't there. Suddenly life was peaceful again and the people who had been exhibiting all that anger were being friendly helpful, supportive, charming and I thought wow this is totally amazing and then I started to think well if that's the case with anger which is something that I've not wanted to feel in my life I wonder what else is hiding there. I had quite a journey coming to accept the energy of anger, getting in touch with that energy within myself and releasing the backlog of anger that had been sitting there in my subconscious, causing all kinds of problems, attracting angry people into my life. The next time I went to see my spiritual teacher, I wanted to talk about this business about anger, and I, because I was wondering how I was going to handle it when it came up. And so she said, look, over time, I'll show you some strategies for handling anger, And she said, but the main thing is to understand that there is the potential for choice with how we behave no matter how we're feeling. And she said to me, all events that occur in the world are neutral. They don't make us feel things. We feel things about those events because that's how we're programmed to be. It's about our programming, not about the event. And she said that some people can be in any given situation and be perfectly calm, whereas someone else is ropeable or someone else is highly stressed or someone else is blaming everyone around them for all of the issues and problems that they can perceive at the moment. She said, it's just not the thing that is the problem. It's how we deal with the thing. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing. Okay, so let's go on this journey. I said, how are we going to proceed? She said, well, the first thing would be let's find out what else is hiding within you to do with what you think is lovable and what you think is unlovable because, she said, the things that you don't love, all of the qualities and types of consciousness, they're going to be brought to you by the universe until such time as you learn to at least accept them, if not respect them, and find that you can still be loving even in the face of that. So she said this is a very empowering concept and it will bring you into a lot more unity consciousness as you start to understand that the play of what's going on out there in our life, has so much to do with what's going on inside of us and she said this is a very practical way of coming to terms with all of that oh I said okay so she said get out some paper and draw two columns and I'd ask you to do this draw up two columns and on the first column you write the name of someone that you like and who you really admire and in the second column you're going to draw up the name of someone who is very challenging that is hard for you to deal with who drives you a bit crazy so we've got the person that we like and admire and the person who drives you nuts and so I said to her well it's no problem for me to think of someone I really like but no one really drives me totally crazy and she said okay well you can have the name of two people, if you like, or three, and the annoying qualities, the most annoying qualities of of those people. Just write them down. So I want eight positive qualities of the people that you admire and eight negative qualities of the people that drive you nuts. And what is it about them that upsets you? So I made my lists. And then she said to me, Do you see yourself in these qualities? And I thought, no, I don't. She said, what about the nice qualities? I said, maybe some of them, but not really all of them. And she said, what about the negative qualities? I said, not really. I can't really see that I'm like that. She said, "Uh uh-huh. The reason you can't see those things is because they are hiding in a part of you that you can't access with your conscious mind. She said, these things are hiding in your shadow. They are in your subconscious. They have to be there because you, like everyone else, are part of the whole of the cosmos. You're part of the Tao. You're part of the is. And the is is all this. You can't have the universe that I, I can accept and love everything in the universe except anger. That I, That's not me. That's not the universe. That's not a good thing it's all there, it's all there to be accepted, it's all there to be learnt about and for us to learn from it as well. So she said, here comes the fun part, she said cross out the names on the top of those lists and put your own name there and I was outraged, I was so cross with her, suddenly I could see my anger, I suppose there was that but I just couldn't see how that was me. So she gave me homework, which I'll give to you too, is doesn't matter what you've written on your lists, uh, this is your list of your current work to learn how to accept, respect and properly manage these qualities in your life and not have to retract love because those qualities are present. Those qualities may require that there are certain boundaries that we have to have behaviorally. It could be there's qualities we have to speak to other people about a situation, but we don't have to stop loving, that our heart is capable of loving unconditionally. And she said to me, you know, people talk about unconditional love uh, and that the universe is an unconditionally loving kind of consciousness but this is where the rubber hits the road this is where it becomes real this is where we become empowered is where we can actually start the process of learning to love and it's a learning whoa I thought this is going to be big and then over the next little while she was able to guide me to find things that I could appreciate and ways to see things that were different from my original programming and conditioning culturally and from my family. And I was able to expand my horizons and see how useful some things could be in my life. And there were all kinds of funny, synchronistic things that happened. Around about the same time, someone sent me a funny kind of thing that was being sent around on the internet And it made me really look at, well, what is good and what is bad? And as my teacher had said, emotions and states of consciousness aren't either good or bad. They just are. Our judgment of them as good or bad is what's going on. If things are accepted by us without resistance, these things tend to just flow Around us, through us, they just go on their way. But if we have a lot of resistance, I don't like this, I don't like that, I won't accept that. Then what happens is these things come up to say, "Why don't you love me? Why can't you accept me?" And they just keep coming, and uh, <laughs> we can get quite overwhelmed. But about this time, I was really starting to look at, well, what is good and what is bad. You know, if if anger can be the fire in the belly that motivates us is it necessarily bad Um, maybe it's neutral maybe it's what we do with it that's good or bad and that got me thinking well maybe all emotions aren't good or bad they're neutral and it's just how we use them that makes it good or bad and that's when I was sent this thing a male lawyer is assertive but a female lawyer is pushy. He is careful about detail. She's picky. He loses his temper because he cares so much. She's bitchy. He follows through. She doesn't know when to quit. He is firm. She's stubborn. He makes wise judgments. She reveals her prejudices. He's a man of the world. She's been around. He isn't afraid to say what he thinks. She's opinionated. He exercises authority. She's tyrannical. He's discreet. She's secretive. He's a stern taskmaster. She's difficult to work for. He's focused. She's obsessed. He's career-minded. She's ambitious. He's using his initiative. She can't follow instructions. And I thought, wow, that is so on point with what I'm learning at the moment. And I thought, yeah, one person is firm, another one is would see that person as stubborn. And one person's stubborn is another person's tenacious. And for a person who is able to be discreet and not gossip and not talk about things, yes, you could say they're secretive, but you could also say uh, that, that they're an admirable person who keeps confidences. And so then I started going, oh, so all of these things can be seen as positive or seen as negative negative depending on what spin I'm putting on it. And this really started to help me to open my mind to something that's been very, very helpful in my life, to get along with other people, to understand other people, but mainly to understand myself. And I found that every time I've been surrounded, not so, well, at least had a few people who are exhibiting a particular quality that totally drives me nuts, and it upsets me, like I am not happy about this, then it's time to look at, oh, so is this something that's in my shadow? And then try and identify exactly what it is that the person's doing or saying that is making you upset. Now it's true to say that they might have the quality in them at 10 out of 10 intensity. That's pretty intense. You might only have the quality inside you, one or two out of ten, so you barely even can register it, but it'll be in there and there'll be a time in your life where that might be the exact medicine that you need. So thinking about anger, for instance. Sometimes if I need to be motivated, if I feel angry about something it is the exact medicine I need to make me actually get up pick up the phone and make a phone call that I need to but if I speak in an angry voice with the energy of angry out of control as I'm talking to someone that won't be a successful conversation you have to think of something like anger as spice you just need it a little bit it's not the main course. We don't want to be eating anger the whole time. We, don't, we want to be eating love and happiness and fulfillment and kindness and gracefulness. That's our main course. That's our staple food. But sometimes the salt and pepper, the spice, the, that little bit of chili that is needed to give flavor to life, that we won't be able to access that flavor unless we can get all the different flavors of consciousness and emotion to be things that we can interact with in a safe and useful way. So this particular piece around owning our shadow, it allows us such freedom. It allows us not to be boxed in by the way other people are behaving, but to know that we have somewhere we can go and something we can do so that we can really give of our best in the situation and not just be reactive and and an inflammatory device any time that that kind of behavior is near us. So it's a way of becoming empowered. It's a way of becoming calmer and wiser. And in the next of our little videos, I'd like to share with you some of the ways you might be able to expand your thinking around some of the more common Uh, areas that people have negativity in their shadow that they'd like to shift and bring out into the light let's talk about some of the common qualities or characteristics or emotions that people can sometimes find on their shadow list and the first one was on my first shadow list malice malice To be malicious is to deliberately do something that will harm another person. And I would have thought that that was the opposite of who I was as a person, and it took me quite some time to look inside of myself to find where I was being malicious. And then after a while it dawned on me that I was part of a profession that was actually quite a gossipy profession – and a lot of lawyers would get together down at the courthouse waiting for their cases to come on and there's just a lot of time sitting around and you're fully prepared you're ready to go you've you've been talking with your client you you, you're completely ready you just have to wait till the next case in the list finishes so that you can get your turn so lots of time to chat and of course stories about who's doing what with whom and Who's getting up to what? There's a lot of gossip would go on in those circles and I was as good as anyone else at spreading the gossip because it was so much fun. But as I did this exercise, I thought, oh, I've got to stop doing that. That's actually malicious. Talking about someone who isn't there at the time, talking about what might be happening in their private life or some drama they're going through, that is actually a malicious thing to do. And then I made a decision I wasn't going to do that anymore. The other thing that popped into my head around malice was use of humour. And very often uh, comedians and anyone who's being funny has a choice. Sometimes it can be an easy joke uh, to make fun of someone. It's it's quick. Uh, it's cheap humour really. But that's malicious and I think that humour Can be one of the main ways that many people are unintentionally being quite malicious. So have a look and see if that applies to you. And then we have more choice in our life, don't we? Because then we're more conscious and we can decide whether or not we want to uh, have a look at that. And if you're surrounded by people who are being malicious or someone who's being malicious is really upsetting you, then think, oh, okay, so it's time for me to pay attention to the parameter of malice and let's see where I'm not noticing where I'm utilising malice in my life. And then you can move on and you'll often find that the situation will resolve and if it doesn't resolve, it no longer bothers you. Let's think of another one. I found jealousy comes up quite a lot on the lists of people I've done this work with. And people find it very hard to connect with the energy of jealousy. They can't find anything to accept about it. They can't find anything to respect about it. And they certainly can't love it or love jealous people. And whether we're feeling jealous about something that's going on or other people are expressing a lot of jealousy towards us, it's a pretty uncomfortable kind of a feeling. So what is it that could be the benefit of jealousy? So remember, it's probably going to be part of the spice of life, not wanting to make it the main course of how we actually live our lives. But what about jealousy could be useful? When I thought about this one, it occurred to me that jealousy is really showing me what I want. Very often, our minds can go, oh no, it's not important. It's not important to me. I'm a spiritual person. I don't really care about wealth or I'm, you know, happy in this and I don't really want that. But then someone else has it and you go, I really want that. And it's a way of cutting through the disconnection between our essence and what's going on in our mind. So have a look at that for yourself at some stage and When jealousy is coming up in your life, have a look at the essence of what's behind the jealousy. If someone around you, say say a friend of yours, say one of your girlfriends has just got a beautiful new partner, you can feel jealous about that, that guy's with her. But think, what is it representing in your innermost being? Well, what it's representing is that she's found love, she's found companionship, she's found partnership, she's found a really lovely man and then that shows me that's what I want. So even if I haven't been in touch with that, I can now see, oh, that's right, I really do want that. So rather than being jealous of that specific relationship, we can then know that we need to find a relationship like that and so it helps us. And I think that um, the energy of jealousy can be used inappropriately. It can create that people behave quite badly. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's the essence we're looking for. What is the essence? What is the use I can put this emotion to? And so when the next time comes that you're feeling some jealousy, just have a look and see what is the essence that's going on here Maybe it's security. Maybe it's one of your needs. Um, If I had that, I'd feel accepted or approved of or I'd feel secure or I'd feel loved if I had that. And so just have a look and see exactly what it is you're looking for. There could be a form aspect to it. I want a car like that. Or there could be a, a need aspect. I want to feel approved of like a person who has a car like that. And so underneath it could be the need for approval. So jealousy can just take you deep inside to find what it is you're really looking for. Let's have a look at a few more of the more common things we find on the negative shadow list. One that comes to mind is dishonesty. It can be so frustrating, so annoying and so upsetting But let's think, is dishonesty bad, good or neutral? And that's where we're really wanting to find that place of neutrality. Well, we can all think of times when dishonesty is bad. What about when it's good? Imagine that you went to visit a friend and her grandmother was dying and the friend had just found out that her brother had been accused of a terrible crime and that he was going to go to prison. Now, would you tell the dying grandmother about this terrible calamity that's happened in the family? This is a place where honesty could actually be used as a sword to stab somebody, and it's not always appropriate. Wouldn't it be better to let the woman die in peace, loving her grandson, without troubling her mind about a possible criminal felony conviction being his legacy to her? So there are times in life where dishonesty is the kind course. Imagine if someone's been very sick with cancer and all their hair's fallen out and they've lost a lot of weight and they've been having chemotherapy and they're pale and listless looking, but you decide you're going to take them out, you know, somewhere for the afternoon uh, when they're in their recovery phase and they're still looking terrible. And you arrive and the person has, you know, put on some fresh clothes and has tried to put on a bit of makeup or, you know, at least has tried to freshen themselves up. And are you going to say to them, you look awful. You look really terrible, which is the honest truth. Or do you just not say that? So being honest is not always a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. And occasionally being dishonest is not a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. So this is where honesty and dishonesty, we can start to see the neutrality of this, and it's how you use it that's important. But if we are surrounded by a number of people or there's someone continually being dishonest around us and we're very angry about it we don't feel like we're dishonest at all start to watch yourself maybe the dishonesty that we find inside of ourselves is simply that we never say how we feel that we're so passive or that we really want to please everybody that we just agree with everybody else and we never really express what's the truth of our own being well that's not honest either so we're actually being dishonest find it inside yourself accept it and that way it'll stop having power over you and you'll find the universe will treat you differently on that particular parameter another of the characteristics that's often cited on people's horror list their shadow list the negative shadow is manipulation no one likes to be manipulated However, as a parent, I would like to stick up for manipulation for just a moment and I would like to say that I think that good parenting requires some degree of manipulation of one's children, particularly when they're very small, because we're trying to socialise our children to help them to behave properly, to fit into our society and culture and to make the best of what life has to offer them and not be wild, egoic, selfish people. And so there are naturally ways where we're manipulating others all the time. Some would call it the gentle art of persuasion. But when is it persuasion and when is it manipulation? And is there really any difference? So again, I think with manipulation, what matters is motive. What is my motive for trying to manipulate you? If I'm trying to manipulate you for personal gain, then that's probably a wrong use of manipulation but if I'm trying to motivate you to help you understand your emotions uh, better than you have before to come into self-mastery there's some uh, motivation it's a kind of a manipulation isn't it it's a kind of a go over this way a little bit and then go round through that little archway there and you'll find something more brilliant and more beautiful So just think about that. It's not good, it's not bad, it's neutral. We don't need to react badly every time we're around manipulation. What we can do is keep our heart in a place where we can have love or at least respect for other people and not get caught up in negative manipulation ourselves. Another of the qualities that's very often on the list is to be violent and again brings me back to thinking about our discussion about anger earlier but there are times when violence is the very medicine that is needed. If someone is threatening your child are you going to just let them or are you going to react and if necessary protect your child by beating off some assailant? There's no way I'd let someone hurt my child when they were young I think that this is a proper use of violence if it's called for and what about in times of war if our culture is invaded if there's um people who are pillaging and plundering and behaving badly then they need to be brought to justice and sometimes the only way that they can be apprehended is through violence because there's nothing else that will work There are times and places when even something like violence is the spice that we need. It's the best medicine at the time to achieve what it is that needs to be achieved. Again, it should not become our main course. It shouldn't become our diet. But just a little bit might be necessary. And sometimes it's just accepting these things that allows the universal flow to go in and through us in a way that it's not something that troubles us. But if we're completely opposed to any form of violence and we think it's evil and terrible, then the universe will probably bring you some experience of violence again and again until you can accept, you know what, sometimes it's necessary. I mean, even killing bugs in your house, even squashing spiders or mosquitoes or flies, that's violent but it's something that we just take for granted is normal. You don't want mosquitoes eating your children uh, and so on. So in the right place at the right time for the right reason, these things are neutral. They're not good. They're not bad. It depends what use we make of them. We've looked at a few of the more difficult areas concerning emotion and behaviour, and I think it would be good to just summarise what our shadow really is and firstly our shadow is what we cannot yet accept or love secondly it's whatever it was that we were told was bad next our shadow follows us wherever we go the larger we become the bigger our shadow becomes next we can't see our shadow because it's behind us And it's in our unconscious or subconscious self. And the last point to remember is that the shadow pulls unpleasantness to us. And therefore it's worth working through these shadow qualities and characteristics because the freedom it brings is tremendous and the capacity to stay calm and to stay in a place of loving kindness and to really Uh, bring forth your self-mastery in practical grounded ways. This is one of the most potent things that I've ever learned. It's helped me so much in so many situations. One of the parts of shadow though that can be overlooked is that it isn't just the things that we don't like that can be in our shadow concerning ourselves. It can be things that are to do with beauty as well. Remember back when I asked you to make the list of the person you admired and their qualities and the person that you didn't like and their qualities? Well, we've been focused on the ones we don't like. But what about the qualities of the person you admire? Sometimes we'll find that on our admire list is they're gorgeous, they're friendly, they're funny, they're smart, and so on goes the list. And there are times when we genuinely cannot see those qualities inside of ourselves. And this is just as much an issue for us in terms of self-love and loving the universe. Some time needs to be put into finding within yourself the very qualities that you so admire in others. It will most definitely be within you because you're everything. You're not everything except funny, <laughs> You're everything. And it's about finding where are these hidden treasures within you. This has been something that's also paid rich rewards, not just for me, but for many of the people that I've shared this with over the years, that we can suddenly appreciate our beauty. It's part of our strength. And give yourself permission to be able to shine and blaze like the sun. Because unless you can love yourself, It's going to be very hard to be able to love others. And in fact, this whole notion of loving the unlovable, it really starts with self. And so whatever it is that the quality that you find, just go on a little expedition, go on an adventure and find how can I accept this? When could it be useful? How is it serving me? And then you'll learn more about yourself and the quality and come to a place of neutrality. And when you're in that place of neutrality, your choices and your empowerment will be much greater. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to ShaktiDurga.com.